What is consciousness? The live stream of consciousness is on a quest to unravel the mystery of existence. Every episode, we ask the fundamental question that has captivated human minds for centuries. Is consciousness merely a product of our brains or does it connect us to something greater? Explore the very fabric of our thoughts. Don't miss a moment. Expand your awareness and tap into the boundless potential that resides within you. Welcome to the live stream of consciousness. Hello, hello, and indeed, welcome to the live stream of consciousness. Good old Jesse Blaze, uh, still here in spirit, providing us with that awesome VO for uh, the intro. I love it. Uh, welcome. It's uh, it's Thursday again. It's July 6th. Uh, it's the live stream of consciousness. It's Michael Zinn, all of the regular stuff for the people who've been here before. And that's new information for you guys who are just coming across the show. Uh, I appreciate you being here. Um, I really do. And uh, I'm excited for tonight for many reasons. I get to uh, reconnect with an old friend of mine who I worked with in the past, who I respect very, very much. Those conversations are always amazing and uh, engaging. And uh, I'm going to, I don't really know how to introduce him. He's so wonderful. Um, <laughs> and he he's a, an actor, a, a writer, a director, so multi-talented in the whole uh, movie side of things. And uh, he's been doing it for a long time. And so I found this and I wanted to just play this briefly uh, and introduce you guys. This is actually the creation of Mr. Milk. I am not associated with Norway or Mr. Milk in any way. He's not sponsoring the show, but this is this is part of part of the deal. Uh, I want you guys to enjoy the creation of Mr. Milk. Vi i Tine skulle finna en passande talsperson för Tine Milk. Startar vi med en genomsnittsnorman. En stark en alltså väl. Ja, det var kanske lite överkant. Ja. Mm. Sådär. Ja. Eh och så måste man vara intelligent. Ja, eller eller check. Och macho. Ah, som en sån viking, utfarer trang og eventyrlyst og... Men velstelt Ja, ja ok Men, men da må han ha sånn tøff Hollywood-stemme Yes Hello everybody Men vi må jo snakke norsk Hallo alle sammen Hallo Da trenger vi bare litt norsk natur Ja, kjør på Det er smart å leve sunt Tine melk er naturlig rik på kjempebra protein Som bidrar til å styrke og fornye musklene Smaker godt Og så kaller vi han Mr. Mr. Melk. Ja. Og så lar vi han være født med ski på beina. Åh, oh, det er perfekt. I, I, I had to play okay, that. Okay, come on, go I didn't have, I didn't want to play that one yet. Whoops. Technical difficulties. Um, I had to play that because to me it's, it's, I know uh, for my guest, it was it was a long time ago, but I still feel like that holds up. It was kind of ahead of its time, the whole style of that commercial, the way uh, there was like this kind of transforming person, and then all of a sudden the curtain goes and he's on a mountain. I just thought it was great. Um, but uh, so here's my introduction. Um, Lucas Hassel is an actor, a director, a screenwriter, uh, and many more things. He's going to tell you all about what he is, uh, but... 
he was such a kind, amazing, unforgettable soul that as I was doing the show and kind of going through my mind of who I wanted on the show, Lucas Hassel came up and he said yes. So I'm excited and I'm going to welcome him to the show right now. Welcome to the live stream of consciousness, Mr. Lucas Hassel. <laughs> Hey, after that introduction, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, you are an amazing person, and I don't think oh, you're even you. going to need to try to live up to it because that's just who you are, right? That's the that's well, the wonder of just being who you are. Is all is, we can do is our best, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so I want to talk about Mr. Milk for sure, and I want to mm -hmm. talk about all of that stuff. But I told you uh, earlier, there's a business we got to take care of here on the live stream of consciousness. I love to talk about uh, things like consciousness and what what is consciousness. So that is always the first question that I ask because. All of the answers that I've gotten are correct, and they kind of all combine to make this big, ever-growing definition of, of what it is. And that question is, what is consciousness, Lucas Hassel? What is consciousness? Wow. <laughs> You're setting the bar relatively uh, high already. I think consciousness to me is being um, aware, uh, understanding your small place in the grand scheme of things uh it's uh, it's gratitude it's a being aware of what you should be grateful for mm -hmm. it's um trying not to uh be anywhere else than in the moment relatively speaking that's being conscious to me it's being conscious about the people around you about your own uh state of being and then sort of the the grand scheme of things which to me doesn't necessarily mean any organized religion but it means being mm -hmm. aware of your speck in the in the big uh in the big universe awesome perfect i love it right so also what, what's so great about that question is you hear that question and i see most of my guests who haven't seen the show are like holy shit <laughs> how yeah. am i going to answer that but yeah. but i think the answer comes to you because that's what the answer is right the answer is being in that moment being aware of what's happening in that moment and and you're like oh wait i'm, I'm right here I'm, yeah I'm with, I'm with this and that's that, right that was perfect that was i think in, in the in the speed of our world and existence today it's very easy to fall into traps where you take people or things for granted mm -hmm. and i think the, the main thing one can be is uh responsible and be uh, take responsibility for your actions and then just be the best you can be I love it. I love it. That's that's perfect. And that's exactly the philosophy here at the live stream of consciousness all the time. So so welcome. And I hope you, enjoy, you. I hope you enjoy your stay. <laughs> no, um, I'm sure I will. Yes. So uh, there's only one more question that kind of sometimes leads into the rest of the show. Uh, sometimes we got to we got to get just get there. But um, um, and I don't really we've never really discussed spirituality, you and I. Um, I do know you're uh, a part of an interesting Facebook group, and I actually, I think, you're, I think you actually started the Facebook. I did. Group now that <laughs> I know, I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yes. that I looked into it. Um, and and I'm not a big proponent of uh, organized religion myself. Um, I am a proponent of kind of the foundations of what it's based on, right? Because it's really based on love um, and and being here for each other. Um, and it's just been corrupted. So let's not even talk about that. But but your beliefs, I, I, I'm imagining, are kind of a little outside the, the standard, you know, religious and all of that stuff. So my question that I like to ask is, is there a moment or a story that you can share of when you realize that 
living in a three-dimensional reality as a human being what well, isn't everything that we're taught in school like there's there's more to it um or, or do you believe that there's more to it no that's a that's a great question i mean uh you know i was brought up in denmark and it was a very common thing to um to be confirmed, for instance, uh, Scandinavia is pretty progressive. So it's not like people take, say, religion uh, very seriously. It's sort of a thing and it's a cultural thing, it's traditions. And so you're confirmed, you're uh, baptized and you go to church at Christmas and at funerals and at weddings. But apart from that, nobody really thinks too much about it. Mm-hmm. And so I was sort of brought up in that vein of thinking. And it really took me going to acting school at Trinity College in Dublin, sort of breaking out on my own to figure out, well, you know, my opinions don't have to be my parents' opinions and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's really sort of moving away to Ireland that made me realize that, you know, I can can have my own thoughts and I can have my own opinions. And I started, you know, questioning many things around me. And, uh, And I guess part of that process was figuring out that I was gay, which was a big thing. So I was just, I had that gift of, not quite sort of fitting in many areas. So I had to question everything and that involved religion and spirituality as well. Mm -hmm. And so I had to sort of forge my own path and how I felt about these things myself. And it was pretty obvious to me from early on that I didn't really buy into any of the bigger organized religions, but, Mm -hmm. um, and I went through a phase where I called myself an atheist and so forth. And I sort of realized that that's, I I guess I'm very close to being an atheist, but Mm -hmm. I don't, quite want to go there i'm more like a very heavy agnostic because it would also be arrogant for me to say that there is no god right because Mm -hmm. uh, i don't understand where we came from i don't know where we're going i don't need to know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and so all i know is i don't need to make something up for me to feel better about where i am in the world i'm very okay Okay. with not knowing things and so i think there's plenty of room for spirituality in all kinds of ways and that can be as we talked about earlier, it could be gratitude. It could be understanding there are things that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me encompasses spirituality as opposed to coming up with man-made scriptures that says, this is the way. Mm-hmm. And I clearly know that another human being made that up. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was a Mandalorian. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we have Santa Claus, we have the tooth fairy, we have those versions of what God is. And so if you can, if you're willing to open up the fact that God can mean love and God could mean many other things, then I'm on board. It's just the word God and religion has been so sort of bastardized over the decades and centuries that I no longer like to use even that terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so I think there wasn't really a particular instance um, that made me realize that sort of organized religion religion wasn't for me, but probably me coming out to myself was part of that opening of, wow, the rules are different for each person. Yeah. And so I can't just fall into the norm. And sometimes I feel very fortunate uh, in that respect. And I think many, if you're sort of a, a white cis male, you're not forced to think outside of the box because why would you? Everything around you fits perfectly in your world. And so you're not forced to go beyond yourself. And so- right. Yeah. Right. And I think that's that's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree. That's yeah. why I say yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. There. yeah. And I love I love everything that you're saying. Um, I, I do see we've got George out there. George is a new friend of mine in Hawaii who uh, has a podcast, the True Life podcast. Uh, and we've been collaborating lately and he's just showed up. And thank you for being here, George. I appreciate your your presence. Hello, um, Hawaii. 
I, um, you know, we've talked about it here at the live stream of consciousness. I also, I really struggled with the word God for a long time. Uh, and I think it was the word and all of the, you know, the personification and all of the heavy, heavy, uh, preconceived meanings that it had. Right. Baggage, and, yeah. and I couldn't use the word myself for a very long time. I would always substitute it in my mind with the universe or yes. whatever, uh, mm -hmm. source. I use the word source a lot of times. Um, but I would, I would imagine that you uh and 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 you've said you kind of it doesn't even matter what you believe in right but i imagine you believe in a higher power right like there's something out there that we don't understand and it's okay that we don't understand it right yeah i mean i, I guess when you put in words like higher power it suggests to me that i'm lesser than mm. and i don't think of myself that way I, okay. it doesn't i love that I, I, you know so Clearly, I don't understand what came before the Big Bang. Uh, I don't understand. I don't understand infinity, right? So there are many things that me, as Lucas Hassel, as a basic human, do not doesn't. I don't understand it. Right. But that doesn't make me lesser. So I if, love. If, I've never. Know, if somebody created me, or if somebody made this happen, right. uh, that's just what I'm. What I am. So right, right, that's right, neither right. lesser nor higher. So I don't think it's a higher power. I don't think it's a lesser power. It's a power uh, that I don't know what is and i don't have to know what it is and if i die and find out there's something else great and if i die and it's just lights out there's nothing well then there you go you you really just gave me another little nugget to to chew on i love that um and and i use the word higher power only because i guess to me it meant something that i don't understand um, but I agree a million percent with you. It's not a higher power. It's just something I don't understand. Right. And, and I certainly do believe that same thing. If something created me, that's what I am. I'm a part of that. That's a part of me. Um, and so it isn't a higher power. It's just, it's just the, another power. Right? Correct. And, and, the, and the fact of the matter is it, it, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me what that power is. I mm -hmm. don't feel a need to worship anything I don't understand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. somebody made me, if something made me, that made me with these capabilities. And so right. all I can do as myself is be grateful, be kind to others. Perfect. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and as I said earlier, be the best that I can be and try to constantly improve. That's the only responsibility I feel I have to this universe. Amazing. I, you know, I love what you're saying so much because oftentimes, because I do the show and because I do like to talk about these things, people think I'm so like digging for an answer and I'm looking for something and I'm really not looking for anything. I'm actually, for me, this is almost my way of expressing gratitude, um, you know, and, and the exact philosophy that you're expressing, that's kind of how I live my life. The same thing, like what, you know, what can I bring to a situation? What can I, you know, what can I contribute? Not what can I take? And exactly. What, can I, you exactly. Know, what am I going to get from this? Awesome. I love it. I love it. All right. So, so let's, let's steer away from the spiritual conversation uh, because you are such a, well, I'm sure it'll, it's going to come through anyway. Sure. Cause you're very spiritual, very, grateful human um i see jessica kalushin out there i see carolyn out there who wants to speak of god more carolyn more of a good and evil power is there a good and evil power that you know what that might work with the conversation what do you think about that uh well i, I good again evil. I, I, again in terms of like a power out there that's good or evil uh, it doesn't really affect my 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 daily life because I I judge from what's around me. I see what's around me, the people I interact with, mm -hmm. and whether there there is some benevolent or or insidious power behind that controlling the pawns, 
that doesn't affect me because I don't know that for sure. So all right. I can do is respond to, to what's in front of me right. and be present. Right. The individual person. So I don't, yeah. So I don't think of it as a, I don't think of it as a good or an evil power. I love that. Uh, that's awesome. That's really, and that's probably why you're so peaceful and, and, and calm maybe. And, and grateful, you know, maybe, I mean? maybe, maybe. Well, I think it probably contributes to it for sure. I, I love, I love what you're saying. And, uh, Oh, look who's out there. We got Steve Sage out there saying, Hello. Hey Steve, how are you? And, uh, and Jilly is out there too. We got a bunch of people coming to the party. Awesome. Good, so, good, good. Um, um, uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about you. So let's, <laughs> let, let's get to that. <laughs> well, stuff. I Just, love talking about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, you know, there, the reason is because I think there are people that you come across in life that you, you know, um, you can, you really respect. Um, and, and you're one of those people because oh, when you. I met you, 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 we met on an independent film set. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for my skill set giving me the opportunity to do so many cool things, uh, like, like be on a film set, meet amazing, see the whole, I love the whole independent film scene because, Everybody on an independent film set is there because they want to be there. Correct. And and where do you see that in, in life and in nature? You know what I mean? Like not at the office for sure. That's true. You and know? you're an incredible photographer. Yeah. I remember oh, that straight you. off. Yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. That's another thing we'll talk about because we sure. that's one of the ways we work together. Sure. Um, and um, but it was very evident, I think, right from the start that you took the craft of acting, and that's where that's the first capacity that I met you when you were an actor. Um, you took it very, very seriously, and you were really good at it. And again, I think authenticity is something that you can't really fake, and that is people uh, respond to and and are engaged by. And that's that was the energy exchange between you and I. I was like, wow, look at this guy mm -hmm. in his in his natural habitat doing what he loves, you know. And it was it was very evident. Um, so let's let's take it all the way back, Mr. Milk. Um, <laughs> what we just saw—I mean, that yeah. was many, many years ago. I was yeah. looking, I was doing a little research uh, on your IMDb, uh, and I saw the first thing I saw on there was 1997. So was was Milk before that? Probably, right? No, no, that was after. Oh, was after uh, that was that. after okay. I got to New York. The Norwegian milk company Tina Milk um, got this concept for Mr. Milk, and they wanted him to be this. Uh, American speaking with speaking in Norwegian with an American accent, whatever. And so they uh -huh. did a worldwide casting out of London and out of New York and out of LA. Wow. And I got called in um, by chance, I guess, because I fit the description. Uh, and they had they had, had the casting for this character for a long time and they just hadn't quite been able to to catch it. And uh, and they never realized that I was Danish by birth. Had in, had they known that, I would never have been cast as Mr. Milk because they knew Mr. Milk was going to be a Norwegian sort of folk hero. Right. And Denmark and Norway have a sort of checkered past based oh. on Vikings and who are the real Vikings and wars <laughs> right. and Scandinavian wars and all that kind of stuff. So they thought I was American and didn't know any better. So um, it was only after we had shot for a while that it dawned on them. And then it had to be a, a secret because their milk hero couldn't be Danish. So <laughs> it was a whole thing. Um, but they cast it in New York and they did, it didn't occur to them that a Scandinavian could live in New York, whatever. And, wow. and, um, and it was funny because when I did the casting for it, um, in the end, what got me the job, which I found out later, was at the very end of my casting, we have done the usual size and pages of dialogue and things we had to do. Mm -hmm. At the end, I made like a joke, like a strong man, like, oh, to the camera, sort of right before. It was after the casting was officially over, but the camera kept running, and I just All did right. that. And the director said, that's the, that's the attitude we were looking for, somebody who didn't take things too seriously. And that's sort of... 
you know, in many wow. aspects, Mr. Milk turned out to be very close to to me and the way I think. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Milk is like an all embracing kind of guy. He doesn't judge anybody. Anything is sort of good with him. And, and he's optimistic and supportive. And yeah. they started a whole, you know, Facebook page after that, where they would have people sort of answer on Mr. Milk's behalf. And it was teenagers with acne would write in or it was, and he would be like, Oh, that's okay. And da, 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 da. it was very sweet. And so oh, I was wow. really happy to be part of that campaign. I love that. Uh, it's so great i don't yeah. understand uh, you know 99 of what's being said but it's just it's, i know that it's the, really. the video you showed has a version with english subtitles i know oh really that. somebody no, did that but that no whatever but that's that was the very first one when they the writers are basically talking about who mr milk should be and so they keep adjusting themselves throughout that commercial he should be strong no that's too strong he should be smart oh no that's too smart and so it's all about figuring out like how they should make him be and yeah. Awesome. It's, it's such a great character and, and you did so good. And how many Thank commercials you. did you do? In the end, it was a campaign that lasted like a good four or five years, I think. And wow. we shot all over the world with that. So I, I'd say there's probably like nine sort of actual commercials, but then they did a whole online thing with little dance instructions by Mr. Milk that wouldn't, strictly speaking, would be considered commercials, but they were on the Mr. Milk website. And right, right. So we just did a whole bunch of, we did stills as well, photographs, uh, different places and did competitions and I'm on bath towels and table so, tennis yeah, balls. I don't, I don't want to bring up a sore point. Did you get a good merchandising contract? <laughs> it's, I, it, listen, I can't complain. I, okay. I you know, I, I yeah, and I saw it, video games and like all sorts of. Yeah, yeah, there were like I have like various avatars and various uh, online sort of cell phone games, and you know, it was just a really uh, great experience and lovely people and. And as I said, you know, I, money is is great, but it's never what I got into this business for. Um, mm -hmm. You know, getting recognized is fun, but it's again not what I got into this business for. I got right. into it because I enjoy exploring different characters and different sides of myself. And so, mm -hmm. um, so I, I look at you know money and payment and all that stuff. In this case, it was great. I'm only grateful for that, but sure. I'm certainly it wasn't what decided it for me. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely want to talk about that because there's there's so many other facets to your involvement with filmmaking and video making and content creation and sure. characters and writing and all of that stuff. Yep. Um, I have one more question, uh, and Steve Sage just said it to you, a true artist, absolutely. Oh, thank you, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one more thing I want to just ask about Mr. Milk and then move on. Uh, and I, I do want to share, share that uh, one I started quick because it's just so great um and that is how how early in your career was that or had you been doing it for a while or did you did you stumble on that early pretty early the mr milk uh, yeah. campaign that yeah. was i think i think it came about in like 2009 i'd say so relatively wow. late actually oh, like wow. um so it was, yeah, so it was way later. I mean, I don't even go out for commercials anymore. And it was probably one of the last commercial editions I went for. Mm -hmm. um, not because I feel I'm better than it. It's just not, it's not really what I'm sort of into. Um, right, right, right. And so, yeah, I think it was like 2009. And then it went through 2014 or something. It was a good long campaign. And and they still keep in touch. And, you know, I get recognized awesome. by Norwegians all over the world still to this day. Like, I mean, Norwegians so are like, cool. oh, my God, is that Mr. Milk with a beard? So and cool. um, and so they're always sort of toying with the idea of bringing him back at some point. But, of course, now I won't have the six pack. 
which I barely <laughs> had then, trust me, but I definitely sure. don't have but it you, now. But you, now you look more like that most interesting man in the world. Exactly. The Dusty Castle. So that's that's who Mr. Melt became. I guess. <laughs> you know. That, that's kind of cool. I dig that. So let me share this real quick uh, just for, for my audience to see it, and then we'll we'll talk some more. Okay. Uh, here's the uh, second. Okay, come on, go on. two, three, four, six. Hello, hello, Shaman. Det är gott att ha kroppskontroll med en stram magemuskel. Då må du träna lite grann och så spisa och dricka rätt. Tina mjölken är tydligt rik i prot. Tina mjölken är tydligt rik i protein som bidrar till att styrka och förnya musklerna dina. Smakar gott. Cool. Movie um, magic, movie magic. But that was actually a pretty hard one to shoot because I had to speak and sort of contract my stomach muscles. And of course, they added the ping pong balls and, and after uh, effects. You really was like, I was going to ask how long no, no, no. was. How they, long would just, they would just have stuck on my stomach, just like boom. That's what would have happened. <laughs> but um, yeah, but it was actually quite hard to, to shoot, to sit still, but still just because I'm not a belly dancer, but it felt like it had to be for that right, 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 right. commercial. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, but there are other ones later. There's one where I walk on ceilings and stuff, and that was shot in a whole huge oh, construction right. I, they I built. I did see that one. Yeah, yeah well, they built one. this construction. They put me in, and then I had to walk around as it spun. Right, right. That was really popular for a while in in like commercials and filmmaking. They were like, someone yeah. did it once, and everyone's like, "Oh, let's." Yeah, now exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it's a, it's a, that was a big production for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, so let's talk about this amazing career that you've had as far as let's stick with acting for a little bit because i definitely want to get into the directing and stuff and there's actually um i think one of the things that really drew me into like saying i really want i like this guy i want to be friends with him was uh you're into the dark uh oh, thank which you. was something that you wrote you direct you did everything in that yes. they acted in it and everything and that's that's just there's so much to unpack in that project <laughs> itself um but like I said, you started in 1997, or at least that's when your IMDb starts. Yep. And and I mean, that's 26 years ago. I know, that's nuts. That's a nice, that's an impressive career to be doing what you're doing, <laughs> I think. No? Well, you know, again, I think you have to, as an actor, pretty quickly you learn to not measure success by fame or fortune really right so you have to sort of define your own level of success because it's a tough business and right not everyone becomes tom cruise or becomes Bader on tv or whatever you sort of have to forge your own sort of career and what you're happy with and what you're not happy with and so sure. i i think i measure success slightly differently um and I, as many artists i think do in this field that success for me is feeling fulfilled and feeling like i'm mm -hmm. doing stuff that matters to me and so Absolutely. when you say a, a long successful career i mean to me it is but um i'm sure to any sort of outsider they'd be like well i barely know who he is so how successful can it be and that's fair you know okay. so it's like so i i feel i've done really well in in what i've set out to do and there's still hopefully more to come but um i'm certainly um happy with the trajectory that i don't look back on any of that yeah, with, and, i wish and i could as, have done more or... as not you i i also feel that you've had a successful career <laughs> um you know what i mean and, and I, I appreciate you know, it similarly i mean i'm not judging it by how much money or fame you have but i'm looking at your imdb you were, were every year you had at least one project you know you were consistently doing what you love to do which is again that's what that's the dream right everybody just wants to absolutely. do what they love to and do. absolutely and i think for 
you know, I got I got pretty busy from my 40s onwards. And that's one of the weird things about male actors is that I think statistically you could be busy in your 20s because mm -hmm. you're sort of that young hot thing out of college and you can be the fiance and you can be all kinds of those things. And then right. when you hit your 30s, you're too old to be that young thing right out of college of being that young fiance or whatever, whatever, but you're too young to be that person with gravitas, the boss or the right, evil right, guy, right. the villain. And so suddenly when I hit forties, I got sort of my career back and that's mm -hmm. been sort of just been, it's going, it's been going up since my early forties. I feel like I'm getting busier and busier. And so I'm just really grateful for all the adventures that come that way. And, but sure. you know, a, a lot of it is what you, Put out there as well and sure you know you mentioned into the dark and i'm happy to talk about that whenever you want later or whatever but you know uh, that was i can put a lot of red threads back back to that film just getting that made and getting that out there and it being so successful mm -hmm. brought me work that i might not have gotten otherwise and that sort of that was really self-propelled so yep. if there's a Absolutely. lesson to take away from from this other than what is consciousness it's that you know you can make your own fate in many ways just by doing what you love and just sure. being being yourself sure. yeah you know what we could we could actually talk about into the dark because sure. i think that that that's a great thing the great branch to talk about everything right so um the thing into the dark is a short film um why don't I let you, I tried to explain it to somebody. <laughs> I didn't want to give it away in case right. I wanted to watch it. Can you give us a synopsis about? Well, yeah, I mean, the brief log line is it's, it's two men strapped in back to back in a capsule heading to Earth from the moon. And then the film really is sort of what you figure out from there. And sort of it takes on sort of the broader uh, purpose of life, potentially, and certain values about uh, social norms. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it actually, you know, I think it was probably relevant when you made it, but it's like it, it's it's definitely stays relevant as far as, you know, certain aspects of what you're talking about, entertainment and media. And absolutely. Know, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very much about it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. everybody has to check it out. It's on, it's on Amazon Prime and other uh, sort of best of sci fi DVDs and stuff out there. So. Yeah, if you DVDs. Who even watch that anymore? But it's on streaming right? services here and there. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know what? And I didn't. I meant to ask you when we were pre-showing if you had a, a website. I I looked at your IMDb and all this stuff, and I didn't look at your website. Do you That's have okay. Yeah, I have a like lucashassel.com, uh, and then I'm on Instagram. Is probably the best way to follow what I'm doing because I keep up with that. But okay, I, so I got off Twitter a while back. Yeah. Let me just put that in the uh, in the bottom. So sure. Thank you. It. Absolutely. Check it out. Uh, and uh, there we go, lucashassel.com. So you know how to spell it, um, <laughs> and, and you can find everything there. So, so into the dark. It was a short film. You, again, this is this is kind of the culmination of all of the things that I see the passion in storytelling come from you. So you you wrote this story. Um, you you were the actor. You directed it. You did everything. But was it done for a specific film challenge, or was the challenge created by yourself? It was just a challenge created for myself. I started being on sets more and more where I would question parts of the script. Or I'd be like, why are they putting the camera over there? Or I, I don't agree with that decision by the director. And so I started realizing that I sort of I had my own voice more than just being a pawn in somebody else's hands, which mm -hmm. sometimes can be liberating. And in the right hands, it's fantastic sure. to work with these visionary writers or directors. But mm -hmm. sometimes that's not always the case. And so I felt... You know, as an actor, I give my power away to everybody else all the time, right? I walk into a casting office, I do my thing, and then I cross my fingers and hope I got the part. And it's not yeah. in my control. And so 
writing was sort of the first attempt at taking some of that power back. And so I stumbled on this particular idea that had to do with social media and what people put value on these days. And, mm -hmm. and, um, and I thought, what genre suits that the best? And I thought, well, sci-fi, you can make your own rules more or less, because mm -hmm. depending on when you set it, things can be different. Mm -hmm. And it suited this thing very well. And then my good friend, Henry B. Lee, who's a DP, um, is someone I, I really trusted. And I had done some work on some of his films before, and I, I knew that he would be able to sort of help me. So he and I basically built this capsule, this crazy project in my fifth floor walk-up apartment in Manhattan. And you know, in your apartment, in my apartment, wow. slept it back and forth, and he could solder lights into the capsule, all that stuff that I couldn't do. And right, we we're both right, right. dumbasses when it came to sawing plywood and whatever, whatever. But in the end, it ended up looking exactly the way I had in mind and designed. Mm -hmm. And um, and then you know, the luxury of shooting in your own apartment is that you have time. And so, right. you know, if you don't have a, a bunch of money, then if you can have time, and we shot this. 13 minutes short over nine days, which mm -hmm. if I had paid a studio or something like that, it would have afforded maybe two days or three right. days. And right. so instead I ended up with a bunch of options in editing. And so I just learned so much from doing Into the Dark. I color corrected it, edited myself, whatever. And mm -hmm. at that time, Apple um, had this thing that if you bought a laptop with them, you could buy these, you could get these free one-on-one -on -one sessions with their experts. Oh, nice. I don't know if you remember that, but that was I like, do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was like, it was like 10 years ago or something, whatever. They stopped I, it now. Probably before they started calling them geniuses, right? Right. right. <laughs> yeah, you get these one-on-one -on -one sessions. And so anytime I came up against something on my laptop editing or something I didn't understand with Final Cut 7, I think it was back then, mm -hmm. um, I would just book a one-on-one -on -one session with Apple and go down and say, nice. listen, I'm doing this film. How do I do this? And they'd be like thrilled. I wasn't just trying to figure out how to use my email. So they right, were right, super right. helpful. And I think I thank yeah. them in the credits. And so, um, so with a small team, myself and essentially Henry B. Lee and the staff at, uh, at Apple, I, uh, I, I put this film together and I had no idea sometimes if it was going to be any good or mm -hmm. it becomes so close to you that you can no longer get perspective on it. And then wow. it ended up, I think, playing in over like a hundred festivals. Cause once it started getting in and doing well, I'm like, well, I may as well keep submitting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if it didn't get into anywhere, I would have stopped wasting my money. But um, so I really used that to get familiar with the film festival circuit. And I traveled around with it because I think if you're in it, um, it's a, it's it's a sort of a trick way of getting to know directors well because usually as an actor when you meet directors your status is off because they can give you work so right, the right, status right. as an actor is your low status and they have high status and it doesn't right. make for a very easy conversation but in this case because I was also an actor and director and writer of it mm -hmm. they saw the film and saw me as an equal so I sort of got behind their their defensive facades uh, in a surprising way, and sure. it gave me a lot of a lot of work from that. It's, it's such a, it's a great business card. I mean, it's <laughs> it, it really is. It's it says so much. It's, it shows all your talents. And Tim, who is uh, been a listener of the show since day one, uh, is in Brazil. Actually, says I've seen it. So really? there, you oh, wow. there you go, Mister. I'm not famous. All uh, right. Well, there you, know. you go. I appreciate it, Tim. I hope you liked it. <laughs> It's definitely a love child of mine. I still consider that the most sort of it's really an impressive piece. Of my work. Yeah, it's really impressive. And again, I think the reason I wanted to ask you about the challenge is because I feel like when I saw it immediately, again, knowing what a film set is like, knowing what a production is like, I was like, wow, he wrote a story that he could film in one place 
tell the story totally effectively. Like it didn't hinder anything about telling the story. Act, do everything. You know, I mean, obviously you had a team, you know, Henry helped Henry, you. With, yeah, big time. Yeah. Stuff. But, yeah, but yeah. It, we were a very small team. It's fair. It's fair to yeah. say. Very small it met, team. It met a great challenge to create a, to create a piece without a lot of resources, you know, and right, a lot of right. space and a lot of, you right. know, which is, which is really beautiful. So again, yeah. uh, I recommend Tim says, I loved it. Oh my God. Uh, thank you. Thank Lori's you, Sam. That's there. awesome. Lori's out there. Hasn't tuned in in a while. Good to see you back, Lori. Um, yeah, I, I loved Into the Dark. Um, and, and again, I think uh, when I met you, it was like independent films. But then as the years went by, I, I kind of like started hearing, oh, Lucas was on Blue Bloods. And, and, uh, and I know the most recent was The Blacklist, uh, which I, I personally don't watch television. So I didn't see the series. I, I did check out a bunch of your clips just because I love watching you do your thing. <laughs> um, but I don't know the whole story. I know you were a, an assassin and all of these things. But really amazing to see from Mr. Milk. Mr. Holcomb, right, right. you know, yeah. representing you know, two ends of the spectrum from Mr. Milton to Van Dyke on the blacklist. True. Amazing. Um, tell, fill me in. Tell like, tell me what you want to tell me about your your career. Like, I mean, I, I guess I have a ton of questions for you, but I feel like I want you to be able to, to hit the things that you want to talk about. No, I think um, you should just hit me with whatever questions, but it is interesting. I will say this sort of in the spirit of you you and I meeting on independent film and then me now doing more network TV and so forth. I mean, there's a, there's a massive difference. And I think there's a massive difference between those two things, independent film and say network TV. And I think one of the things that keep me uh, satisfied in the business that I do is, is doing both, right? Because independent mm -hmm. film is very liberating. I mean, you're certainly not doing it for the money most of the time. So it's really, it has to be collaborative, otherwise it's not worth it for me. So I love working with intelligent, artistic, visionary people in independent film. And it's not about the money, it's about the project and the people I work with. Yeah. Rare on TV is not necessarily as collaborative because you're sort of, you have to hit your marks and there's a time pressure and there is a money pressure and it's moving, it's go, go, go. So it's not necessarily as artistically satisfying as independent film, but of course it's super professional, it's well-paid, it's great right. exposure. So I don't knock either, but I'm right. grateful for both. Of course, awesome. That's and and amazing at both as well. Um, so actually, I, I do have some a, a little direction that we could go, which I totally forgot about. But that okay. was you and me meeting. Uh, we met on an independent film set sure. uh, through a producer friend of ours, um, and that led to uh, I was working at the time on my Women of Armageddon calendars, um, and and I was putting them out. Uh, I think I started in twenty. 12 when the world was supposed to end um, <laughs> right. and then uh 2013 and then it was 20 about 2015 when we met and the previous year and 20 even 2013 i started to hear people saying hey where's the men of armageddon calendar so uh i decided to do a, a men of armageddon calendar and the producer that we were working with said i have a perfect person to do that <laughs> for you equal uh, opportunity and, right and uh you ended up making the cover of the calendar uh, and here it is <laughs> oh my god the, the men of armageddon yeah. 2015 uh post-apocalyptic calendar <laughs> and it was so much fun working with you i mean it, it was, was a lot of fun to shoot we had a good time we, i think it was like right under the bridge uh it was like we found this abandoned little park building and we 
we went inside and uh it was a lot of fun um, it definitely was you put up some great work there oh thank you i appreciate yeah. that and then i uh i think i found a couple of alternate images from that same session that were <laughs> never released so there's some exclusive stuff i've never seen here. that yeah that's hilarious yeah. look then, at that uh, yeah, look belt, at that gun belt. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's hilarious. Totally. And then the last one here is, uh, I think that was a contender for the cover, but it was, I don't know. I That's just, hilarious. I don't know why I chose the one I did at the time, but wow. uh, this was so much. This was so <laughs> much. It's, fun. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a rough guy who, t who, who takes good care of his beard. Apparently, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's fair exactly. faucet wings. That, yeah. that was, and that was really the, the kind of the satire idea of the women of Armageddon was like, oh, what happens when the world ends? Do we still get the Sports Illustrated calendars and it's right, like right, a matchup right. of yeah. Mad Max meets Victoria's Secret kind of thing? You know, yeah, that's a lot of fun. That's great and, to see that again. And that was awesome. So, Definitely. so I have the opportunity to bring that back to life. I also can say right now that I have some of these still uh, in my closet. So if you're interested, reach out to me and I can. Uh, I can Steve is going to buy four. No, I'm kidding. Hook you up. Steve is going to buy four. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, it's um, all it's all good. Yeah. So so you you write, you direct, you act. Um, what's your favorite of the three? Whew, that's a tough call. I mean. Acting is obviously sort of number one identity that I've had with me for so long. But I, I will say I get less and less satisfaction from it necessarily. I think earlier I was grateful just to work. Mm -hmm. And the more I've done, the more I realize that I'm, I'm not always just grateful to work. I would love to work on things that are great, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think you know, taking charge back in, in writing and figuring out how I think I'm a really good writer, uh, maybe better I than I am as an actor. And I think writing is something that I've been able to sort of perfect. Right. And although I'm sort of an extrovert in many ways, being in this business, there's also a big part of me that enjoys sitting in my little corner in Starbucks with my earphones on and creating my own little worlds and seeing those come right. to, to life. And I can really, I think, express my point of view about the world in clever ways in my writing. Um, but then, of course, the realization is sort of, true control a true power over your artistry is you have to direct what you write um because if you hand your scripts away to others they can do whatever they want with it and that's not power necessarily that's just something else so so i think they all sort of go hand in hand sort of i think i enjoy writing a lot and i run a direct what i write and then because i know what i can do as an actor sometimes it's just easier to putting to put myself in some of those roles because it's one less person to worry about and you know what I you're looking for, yeah. And I know what I'm looking for, and I know the characters really well because I because I wrote them and so forth. So, to some people, I hear you know vanity projects and actors that put themselves in their own projects of vanity things, and I'm like, it's really because I know what I can do and I trust myself, and I think mm. it's as I said, one less person to worry about. So I've right. I've enjoyed putting myself in projects. That said, yeah. the the most recent short film I just finished. Actually, today I finished a picture lock on. It's a film called Dummy based on a script that I did not write. And that's the first project I've undertaken um, as a director on something that I did not write. So that's been super interesting and a very different awesome. experience. And then, um, and then the other thing that happened is I, I've got my first feature script made. We just we filmed that uh, down in Austin, Texas this spring. Oh, wow. With myself and Natasha Henstridge in the leads. And you um, wrote that? I wrote that. And uh, what's, which story is that? It's called House of Abraham. And you can actually, okay. it's House of Abraham movie on Instagram. You can follow all the updates. We just finished um, the trailer. We're in post. 
-hmm. on the entire feature that's been shot. And um, my good friend Lynn Shea is in it as well from the Insidious franchise. And she's incredible. Natasha is amazing back from the species stage you may remember yeah. from there and and so um and my good friend lisa belcher uh directed it um we had worked together before and she helped produce it awesome. and uh, we got it done so uh, look out for that uh, later awesome. on this year i think it'll be pretty pretty cool that's got to be exciting and and can you give us a little uh tra trailer verbal trailer on that one so i guess the log line is it's it's a it's sort of a it's a woman arriving at a at a house uh, in the remote areas of of Texas to end her life, uh, and when she gets to this particular venue, she realizes that uh, there's something else that she needs to do, and so she has this secret agenda that changes this particular weekend. Um, in a, it takes it in a different direction. Okay. So okay. it's a psychological thriller slash horror, I would say. Awesome. It's dark. Awesome. It's definitely dark. Awesome. Very exciting. That that's super exciting. Um, I know you also, I know you wrote a lot of stuff. Let's, I want to jump around, um, sure. about a couple of things. So you had mentioned to me earlier, and I think this is what you said gave you the opportunity to, uh, direct the dummy, uh, <coughs> excuse me, is your film, uh, the son, the father, mm -hmm. um, tell us about that. What, what brought that about and tell us the whole story of, well, so, so after Into the Dark, which did, as I said, really, really well, and I met so many people out on the festival circuit, made me like a little mini expert in festivals and how they're run and which ones work and which ones do work less great. Um, I was just sort of thinking about what should, what should my next step be? And I still felt like I had a lot to learn from short films. I think short films are amazing in the way that it's your one chance to not compromise with your vision because it's not about making money. There's very little money to be made, actually a little more now than before, but right. you're still not going to make your money back pretty much uh, on right. short films, but it is your chance not to compromise. There are no producers telling you who to cast or what to do because it's, it's not money driven. And so right. um, I knew I needed to learn more as a director. And so I was always looking for that sort of next project. And then almost by chance, like I, I wrote this other script based on this notion of, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I love that idea of people doing something meaning well, but it actually has dire consequences because they, mm -hmm. they didn't think through what that initial action could be. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote The Son and the Father based on that and um, sent it into Holly Shorts Film Festival, which is one of the bigger short film festivals here in the US, mm -hmm. into their screenwriting track a competition and just mm -hmm. forgot it, really. Um, and... Um, I saw a post on some film community on Facebook from somebody saying, oh, uh, too bad I didn't win, but good luck to Lucas Hassel. And I was like, wait, what? What, is, what was that about? And I went in and I realized I had won wow. the Holly Shorts Film Festival for Best Screenplay back in 19, I think. And uh, I didn't even realize, I had to go in and check, like, what do I win? You know, a check for $100 or a right, right, right. subscription to Ink Tip or whatever nonsense is out there. And, um, <laughs> Then I realized that they uh, they offered a production deal for the short film. And I was like, well, that can't be real. I mean, that seems pretty crazy. And then yeah. sure enough, I think two months later, I got a phone call from a guy, Ben Andrews, up in Seattle, who had a production company. And he had agreed with Holly Shorts to produce their winning short screenplay. And wow. I was like, this is too good to be true. But we got a whole team going. And then we started doing casting via Skype with local Seattle actors and they cool. found locations, they found the crew, and I wow. flew in four days before and ended up shooting the son and the father with a crew I'd never met before. And wow, actors I only had met over Skype. Yeah. And um, 
and again i stuck myself in it as the father in the in the film and um again that did really well it was very different to into the dark it was psychological horror i would say and mm -hmm. um but by then i already had a bit of a network with some of the festivals and if you get one film in sometimes it's easier to at least get the attention of the programmers because right. you can send them a quick message saying oh by the way this is my new film right it doesn't mean it'll get in but it'll mean they'll at least be aware of your film sure. amongst yeah, yeah. the hundreds of others they get and so the son the father did almost better than into the dark and wow traveled around with that as well a lot uh and so it was just That's super awesome. helpful i felt i had this was the first time that I worked with a much, much bigger crew because Into the Dark was like a little, right. you know, small project in my right, apartment. Right, right. But this thing was like a crew of 30 and it was a real thing. Right. And I had to figure out how to you know, maneuver that. And But again, it was helpful that I know my own strengths and weaknesses really well. And I know that if right. I get nervous, I can get micromanagerial. And that's super not helpful on a film set because it becomes mm -hmm. annoying for everybody else. So I had to figure out how to sort of not be that. And so my mantra on set was always every morning I woke up, I told myself, be present and be pleasant. That's that got me through that shoot. That's, um, that's good, I, yeah. I just reminded myself of that all the time when I started to feel edgy about, well, the makeup person is not, why aren't they doing that? Or I was like, okay, listen, right. everybody's here to help out your vision. And so the least you can do is be pleasant and be present. You know what? And I think it's interesting what you're saying, because I think that's a really important key to a happy life is it waking up and setting those intentions, especially when those specifically are the intentions. That's even better. You know what I mean? To be present and be pleasant. I have uh, one of our listeners, Jilly, gave me this uh, little necklace. It says, just show up. Ah. And, and 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 I was going to say, well, you kind of took that to the next level. It's more than just showing up. You've got to kind of have this intention of being <laughs> present and being pleasant. But the right. just show up is because I am pleasant and I am present. So all I got to do is show up and I'm bringing that. Right, uh, right, right, right. And but I mean, and but but that said, I'm also, uh, I mean, be present and be pleasant is super important, but it, it shouldn't be misunderstood as being um sort of non-engaged in in society or i think it's very important to have opinions about everything sure and that doesn't Absolutely. shouldn't make you judgmental but i think you have to have an opinion about everything around you otherwise i feel you're sort of missing your your duty as a human being on earth you can't just let things slide you, right. you, you may not have to be a warrior out there fighting this cause or that cause but you need to have an opinion about it because right. silence is complicity right. um and so I'm a big fan of people having opinions about everything. Yes, yeah, I I agree with that. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm thinking in my head whether or not I should have <laughs> a Facebook group or not. Uh, you might get some people on here that would not like that. But all listen, about. it's all good. It's all good. I feel like it's it's you expressing yourself. I actually, you know, I have opinions about it, that Facebook group myself. But sure. You know, but I know who you are, and I love you so much that I'm like, I'm not going to let let it anger me and be like well i don't agree with that and sure. you're doing the wrong thing you're doing to me i look at it and i'm like wow i don't agree with that but i agree with doing what makes you feel right no you i appreciate I, mean? I appreciate the openness of that and that, absolutely that facebook page is not about um dissing people it's not about making people feel lesser about themselves but it's again something that i feel is important to speak up about um and whether i find something insidious or non-benevolent uh mm -hmm. and other people disagree with me and that's absolutely fine i wouldn't have put it out there if i was afraid of what people thought right 
absolutely no and I, and that's also uh respectable and and there's an integrity to that um and and in in kind of a similar story about being able to disagree but still love each other is um is i had uh flat earth dave on my show oh wow um and i was interested in having flat earth dave on my show my audience knows this they're probably bored of me telling the story but <laughs> i'm telling you because you haven't heard this because i saw that he was facing a lot of uh you know people calling him a moron and whatever and then he has obviously there's people who agree with him so there's this contingency on each on each side but i was just like i want to find my common ground with him um and i knew off the bat what that was and i had him on the show and the, and the common ground for me was um we're not necessarily being told the whole truth right and regardless i i'm not saying that the earth is flat i don't necessarily subscribe to that um However, I do subscribe to the idea that it could be <laughs> and and maybe we're not being told the whole truth. And 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 I, I'm not even going to get into flat earth. Let's not even get into it. But again, the, the idea of the common ground, right? Like, let's celebrate the common ground and we can also celebrate the differences. I can be like, cool, you want to go off and have a flat earth app and do your thing? More power to you, um, you know. Uh, is it possible that it could get dangerous? Maybe. I think we're living in a very, very interesting time. You said, actually, you said something that's very important to me way early on, uh, and that was being accountable, being accountable for what you do, what your what your thoughts are, how you treat other people, all of that stuff. And I think that that's getting lost. Uh, and and yeah. um, the cool thing about that or the upside to that is that as much as it's getting lost is that it's getting found um and what i mean by that is you know i hang out in different communities and there's a spiritual community of people who are awakening and I, I hate the buzzwords and the terminology spiritual journey all of these things it's just life to me it's just life it's just learning um you know as you go along what feels right what doesn't feel right and mm -hmm. And this kind of goes back to Carolyn's question of good and evil. It's like, to me, I always knew from a young age when I wasn't sure about organized religion, I was sure about good and evil as far as choices and as mm -hmm. far as how I felt in my heart Absolutely. and what I aligned to. I, I can remember, you know, when email first came around and, and then email scams came around. I was just like, how can people do this? I was I so upset. Like, it's so, it's so evil. It's, and I was right. like, and that was a way for me to define good and evil. Like, you right. know, that's people align. No, but I, I think you're on to the right thing about trying to find common ground. But there is, you know, as I said before about having an, having an opinion, I think it's also important to know what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. So had your flat earther friend um, also said that you are a terrible person if you don't believe in it or that you are you should go to jail if you don't believe in flat earth right. then it's not just a benevolent thing where you can go oh well, that's kind of cute and funny it's kind of dumb right. but right. you know to me it's kind of dumb because i believe in science so in that case i would have looked at him and gone like well good for you but clearly you're wrong <laughs> um, and so i have opinions about it right, right. and so it's not just common ground at any cost. I think it is important to have opinions about things. And it's important for you to have a line in the sand about what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. Right. Um, and so there are people that I don't necessarily seek to have common ground with because their opinions are so heinous or so offensive right. that um, there is really no reason for me to find common ground with them until 
they find a way of handling people around them in a, in a just or fair way. So, right. I, so it's not at all costs. There are people that I'm not necessarily mm -hmm. willing to, uh, to look for common ground with because I don't feel they deserve my common ground. Yeah, And so, so I can be harsh as well at certain times, but it's always, I think, well considered at least. It's not a knee-jerk reaction or me just jumping to conclusions. It's, it's a well thought through thought process that I go through right. about who, who deserves my friendship or company and who, who doesn't. And right. that's not arrogance. It's just everybody can make that choice on their own. Yeah, I don't expect absolutely. anyone to take me in. Yeah, absolutely. No, but I think, I think, again, um, certain things come across, you know, at least for me that, you know, make me want to be a friend with you and, and talk to you and, sure. and integrity and certain things. Um, you said something earlier. Oh my God. My brain just, just farted. Uh, <laughs> you, you said something earlier about, um, it'll come back to you. Yeah. Well, you know, all of, all of the things that you were saying about accountability and, right, right. and just the way, the way you live your life is, is really the philosophy here at the live stream yeah. of consciousness and, and my philosophy, um, you know, just trying to be the best person that you are. Um, yeah, I think raise I, people up. You know, I, I think one of the one of the my sort of greatest strengths and a real gift that I'm not quite sure where that came from. Perhaps my parents um, is that I I'm not afraid to look inward, and I mm -hmm. think maybe that's from being an actor and a writer. I think that's where you find the greatest sort of surprising corners of of life. If 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 you're okay turning on that flashlight and looking inwards about what's not so great about yourself or also owning what you're good at. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Then I think there's really nothing around you that can surprise you. And then you will have opinions about things because you're, mm -hmm. you're trying to improve yourselves. And so there's nothing, mm -hmm. there's nothing really that I'm afraid to talk about. Um, right. There are things I certainly know more about than other things, but if sure. I'm interested enough, I'll find out more. Sure, sure. So I remember actually that that re reminded me what I was going to say, and mm -hmm. that was I think that you know your philosophy and what you're saying about having opinion works really well for you because I think you understand it, and I think there are people who don't understand that. And 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 for me, it was very evident that you are very cognizant of the words that you use in a conversation um, and understand the energy that words and thoughts have um, because you're talking about uh, the different film festivals and you got to know the film festivals and you said, you yeah, know, so there are some that are really great. And you said, there are some that are not so great. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, that's like, you know, that was just a very elegant way you know, to, to express that. You know what I mean? Well, I mean the, the, so that's definitely true, but it's also fair enough in the way that, you know, people look for different things at festivals. So it depends on what you're looking for when you go in that makes it great or not so great, right? Uh, if, you're, if your intent at a festival is to go in and, and network and meet other crazy, like-minded, independent filmmakers or creative souls, mm -hmm. then there are a lot of those festivals. If you're looking to go in and meet producers that'll produce your next feature, then there are a lot of festivals that are not so great because there are not a load, there's very few of those around, right? So right. it all depends on what your aspirations are and what you're expecting out of film festivals, whether it'll make right. them great or not so great. And then, of course, you have the ones that screen your film in a basement with a sheet moving in the wind that are really <laughs> terrible. Uh, and then you just know not to apply there next time. Right, right, right. And I think it's also, you know, it's, it could be a tricky industry 
uh, as far as authenticity goes, too. I mean, you'll find people who are there, you know, looking for this or looking for that um, without that genuine kind of intention of loving what they do. It's just like opportunists, you can you can say and things like that. But I guess, you know, again, I feel like you have a real clear uh, understanding and Steve Sage always saying exactly the things that I'm thinking here. Uh, Lucas is in touch oh, with many you. levels of understanding. Yeah. And, and I think that's important. I think you, you kind of touched on that at the beginning. I think there is a contingency of society and I have a lot of compassion for people who kind of don't go past this consciousness. They don't go past, sure. you know, what I, what do I got to do today? And, and kind of the surface three-dimensional aspect of living um they don't go inside they don't kind of you know think about who they are and how they treat other people and all of that stuff uh and i think i find the people who do that i find them to be more authentic and and connect more with them but as i said earlier i mean that could it could come down to good or bad luck about your own circumstances you know as i said i a lot of that probably came about uh, from being a questioning young gay man knowing i didn't quite fit in right so i think if you're if you're not forced into those things who knows if you know if i've been straight maybe it would have been unbearable and just full of myself and doing my own thing and right. you know right having a certain good look and I could be a total jerk right that's very possible it didn't turn out that way Absolutely. because I had to figure out what how do other people live and oh, how you know, that's, it, you know yeah that's well said that that makes a lot of sense I think uh your your challenges definitely made you the better person you know right and so I think people with autistic instincts or people that are curious about it will ask those questions but mm-hmm. um you know, and it comes down to other things like career and stuff. In many, in many ways, people think of, I know actors who think of their career as a curse almost. They sort of hate the fact that I'm, I'm compelled to do this, but I don't get any work. I don't make money, whatever. Right. But the gift really is that you from an early age knew what you wanted to do. Think about how many people don't have that passion. They take right. a job because it's a way of making money and it's a way of paying right. for their house, but they don't find that passion. And so that's it's both a good and a bad thing in that sense mm-hmm. right you don't mm-hmm. found you don't have that passion but you, you're also not super frustrated because you don't know what you're missing either right so right, right. um so i think the people that are that are curious they're going to find their way in in mm-hmm. asking questions about what's happening around them and mm-hmm. come up with op- well considered opinions right right steve sage again out there 100 percent. what and who we live through makes us who we are i agree yeah, absolutely yep. absolutely and and i talk about this very often too it's like it's so important because that's the reason you're here (laughs) you know what i mean anybody anybody who's here the reason that they're here is to be them they're here to kind of live out their ray of light you know the way they're supposed to and just do it and i think what i was saying earlier was kind of alluding to i think society kind of throws these layers on us as we're growing up you know you need to be good looking you need to have lots of money you need to you need this you need that and all of these things that are outside of ourselves and really all we need to do is look inside of ourselves and who we are and who how like i said i keep bringing it back to how we treat other people i feel like i feel like that's an important thing i feel like um the other aspect besides self-love i talk about all the time you know you can't you can't really move forward until you're you love yourself right um you can and there are plenty of people who are out there moving 
maybe they're not moving forward they're just moving around sure. <laughs> you know what that's i mean true. you know that's um, true but i think when once you love yourself you can start to see things clearer you can love other people you can love situations you can you can not love situations right you can you can have that opinion that you're talking about and and express it right in a much better vibration yeah i mean i think there's a lot to to what you're saying so so two things there first of all i i don't necessarily feel that I have a, a reason for anything. I, I am. Uh, I don't think there's a higher purpose for my life here. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. uh, I happen to be, and I'm trying to make the most of what that is. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think, you know, loving oneself, um, it's also understand. It's also okay understanding what you don't love about yourself. Because I mm -hmm. feel if you understand what you don't love about yourself, mm -hmm. then that's what you got to work on. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's... It sounds good to say once you love yourself. I don't think anybody truly can own that I just love myself. I love many parts of myself and many mm -hmm. parts of what I do, but there are other parts that I'm less satisfied with that I have to continuously work on to not be a person that I don't want to be. That's right? fair. So, that's, so fair. that's a constant source of sort of self-improvement. I don't think I don't think you ever reach that thing. It's almost like a script that I write. It's, it comes, it becomes a very good script, but I'm also aware that they can always improve. There's always right. that character right. that can be developed more, or you know what? that page could be cut out. And so I think that's right. the same with me as a person. It's a, I'm a, I'm a thing in, in, in progress. I'm a thing in motion and that can go, I can get worse for a period of time based on whatever I go through mm -hmm. uh, success. I can get into my, into my head and I can think I'm better than anybody else and have to catch that and go, no, 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 you're not. You're just equal to everybody. And right. you had a good break or vice versa. I could feel bad and I could be like, hang on a second. It's not about money or how many shows you've done. It's about what you mm -hmm. just did and you're happy with that. So it's about constant sort of self-improvement and being humble enough to undertake that. I agree a hundred percent. And you're, you're deconstructing a lot of the language that I use to, <laughs> yeah. to describe some of my philosophies, but, but sure. it's great. I love what you're doing because you're really making me think about those words that I use. And, and I absolutely have said that, you know, I think self-love is very important, but I do think, like you said, the human experience is not like you, you're not finished ever. Right. I mean, right. The, the whole way through, you're still evolving and changing, you know, it's, you're finished, you're finished with the human experience when you're done and whatever's next, you know, correct. is next. Correct. Correct. Um, and but, we go through things where even though you check it in one day, you could relapse on another day. And so you have to recheck it, you know, later on. So it's a constant ebb and flow about one's own, own strengths and weaknesses and they can yeah. change. Yes, absolutely. Steve says it's more being comfortable in our own skin. And yes, I agree. That's, that's super important. Steve is very sage. Yes, he is. Sage See what I did there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Tim says, I wouldn't be where I am now without knowing what I didn't love about exactly. myself. Exactly. Uh, I had to fix them all, and now I have everything I never knew I wanted. And uh, I love that. Tim's got such a great story. He went through such adverse medical problems. He he was married to a woman who was diagnosed with, I think, 25 or 27 personalities um, oh. who, who uh, such an interesting story. Actually, like one of these personalities was a diabetic and like, you know, that, that crazy physiological story that go to the doctor and like, oh, my God, you've got diabetic levels of, of your, your body chemistry one minute and the next minute you don't. Like that's, wow. that's really, that's really wow, nuts. That's fascinating. But, uh, but, but Tim went through a lot of stuff and then um ended up meeting uh the woman of his dreams in brazil and how he just had a baby who was just happened to visit me last week they were in the united states and they came by and i i, I got to spend time with tim and and taryn um taryn his son we actually did 
a gender reveal for his son on on the show before he was born. Wow, wonderful. Like, Congratulations really to him. Really cool. Right. Yeah, really cool. Like uh, the, that guy was on my show, you know, before right. he was even born. Wow, yeah. that's so awesome. It was, was kind of cool. But, um, uh, oh, wow, I didn't even realize we're, we're over an hour already. I don't want <laughs> to take up too much of your time. You are so amazing to talk to, Lucas. I love and likewise, it's been talking super to you. Fun. Yeah, I, I, love, I love thinking about your work. I love uh, looking at your work. <laughs> Appreciate um, it. Uh, what I, I we didn't even get to talk about uh slap face which i wanted to oh, talk slap about. face or uh, yeah because i know jeremiah jeremiah kip uh sure and that's a local uh long island filmmaker um maybe can you tell it can you share one more story with us about slap face tell us the story of slap face because it was well i mean short first and right well so first of all i mean jeremiah kip big shout out to him he's one of those kindred spirits and uh long shout out to jeremiah yeah jeremiah he's yeah. a visionary in many ways uh a real mensch just a lovely person who takes his craft very seriously and is mm -hmm. it's a kind soul uh and i've worked with him on a number of projects um mm -hmm. and he's just a real actor's director like he understands what actors go through and what they need and so he's uh sort of top of the uh, top shelf in terms of uh, of writer directors and so Slapface. um I was in a writing group with Jeremiah and he came up with, there you go. Uh, he came up with this short story of slap face. And so from the beginning, I was sort of part of reading that in the writing group. Um, and I remember one time sort of coming down from the writing group, it was over. And I said to Jeremiah, you know, if you ever get to make this, I would love a shot at, at the monster. And he was like, well, she's a woman. And I'm like, you know what? It's kind of interesting to not be taken from, for sort of a handsome surface or whatever, trying to become a monster regardless of gender. So if it happens, keep me in mind. And he did. And so we did the short film when he got that together. And then later on, when he paired up with a wonderful producer in LA called Mike Manning, um, they got the money to do the feature. And, and Jeremiah asked if I was interested in coming aboard as, as the monster yet again. And, uh, and it was just an incredible experience seeing sort of Jeremiah get an opportunity to create a feature based on his own script right he's yeah. he's often a director for hire and he does a, amazing work on other people's scripts but this was his own baby mm -hmm. and so knowing what i had gone through with into the dark i could just see how much it meant to him and mm -hmm. and i respond well to to passion and so it was up in uh Fishkill. we shot the whole film i think over cool. three three and a half weeks or so and it was it was it was tough i i was in uh, you know special effects makeup for pretty much the whole shoot wow. and that meant being in makeup sort of three hours every morning and mm -hmm. an hour and a half yeah. after everybody else had wrapped and I sat in makeup getting out of the yeah. latex wow. and all that stuff and and it was it was definitely a challenge but it was an incredible film and team to be part of and I'm very proud of the of the final product and it's been doing really well for him that's awesome. Uh, and so I think there are talks of a sequel but I'm gonna let Jeremiah handle that <laughs> I mean, if and when that becomes a reality right what i mean what an amazing experience right how many people can say they've they've been through that you see it on tv all the time with like you know actors doing these films getting into makeup for six hours you know what i mean and that's like an, you did it and and it's true again i i think you know it takes a certain type of person to do that because there's a, a, a certain amount of dedication that you need to do that kind of stuff no know? for sure i mean it, it may sound like a, a lot of fun when you hear about it from the outside but I, yeah. I i guess it's a little bit like you know being on the show of survivor you know you you catch an hour episode a week but you forget that these people live there 24 7 
for weeks on end, right? Where they took the best bits and put it into one hour. So there were all these other bits. So being in a makeup chair for that long and being on a set where you wait around before it's your scene or before you need it in the special effects makeup. I mean, it's definitely not for the fate of heart. Um, mm -hmm. So it was a privilege and I had a ton of fun doing it, but it was, it was probably one of, it was probably one of the hardest gigs I've done. Wow. Awesome. But, yeah. but rewarding, right? Absolutely. And just, can you give us the lot line on that? What's the, what's the synopsis of that? Well, I mean, it's really something for, for people to look up because I don't want to, do a disservice to Jeremiah's okay. film, but it's basically a, about a, a boy who befriends a monster in the woods. Okay, that's 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 yeah. enough to intrigue people. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. definitely, definitely check it out. That's awesome. I'm not sure what this comment means. Steve Sage is saying he killed Liz. Oh well, that's on the blacklist. Oh, okay. You know let's let's <laughs> let's let's end with that. Let's talk about the blacklist because that's did, yeah. the exciting the latest, uh, uh, excitement. Uh, <laughs> So tell us about that experience. I mean, The Blacklist is a very popular uh, television show. Uh, you had uh, 13 episodes, right? You did of that show. Yep. That's mm -hmm. pretty, that's a, that, I would say that's a recurring character, no? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that counts. Even two episodes, I think. They tell, us, tell us a little bit about that experience real quick. So, you know, amazing, an amazing experience. I've done a lot of other TV shows here and there for like one episode. And then... Uh, I'd actually been on the blacklist before and got killed by Spader in Edmund season four, I believe. And so when they got me this casting uh, for season eight, I was like, wait a second. I, should I tell them that I was already on and was already killed? Or should I just go ahead and do the casting and hope they never remember that or whatever? And I wow. felt bad about that. So I did the casting. And within a few hours, it's the fastest time I think I've ever heard, um, they came back with an offer for the part. And and, and in the PS, it said, and we know you were on in season four. So I was like, okay, phew, at least it's out in the open. Right, right. And so I think that they they had me in mind. They were like, if that guy looks the same, he's sort of what we're looking for for this particular character because it happened so quickly. So um, I, I don't know if that's true. I never got confirmation, but that was sort of my guess. And so this character, Elias Van Dyke, or uh, yeah, Elias Van Dyke was just sort of... Um, I think the original offer was like three episodes. And then as any of these TV shows do when they bring you on is they ask you to be available for the whole season because you never know. Right. And so most of the time it's just a procedure they do and you don't expect that to happen. But then I shot three episodes and then I got, they asked me to come in for the next episode and then the next episode. And then I was like, wait a second, this is more than that. What's happening here. And then I, they started giving me more to do and, Nice. And I just, I think in hindsight, I just had some fortunate things happen to me on set that made me stand out a little bit, that made the writers notice me more because there were really sort of five of us that initially had sort of the same size role on the show. It was like a small supporting character, but a right. recurring character. And then gradually we lost some of those and my character just got promoted a little bit. And then at some point, the writers must have decided that okay, then Dyke is the one who's going to take out this particular female lead um, wow. who I believe wanted off the show. And so they were figuring out a way of getting her off the show in a good right. way and sending her off the right way. And and so that's, I'm sure, writers in a, in a TV writer's room, it's complex to figure out how they're going to do it. And so I think at some point they decided that Van Dyke was going to be the one to to take her out, so to speak. And that 
uh, brought me a lot of both enemies and fans on social media for sure. I mean, my, <laughs> my Instagram blew up for a while and I got both hate mail and love mail. That's got to be love mail from the people that didn't like her and hate mail from right. people that loved her. Uh, and of course, I was like, you know, it's just a show. Or actually kill her. So That's it was so pretty funny. interesting. But I still got that to this day. I get people who come up to me in the airports or whatever who see the show That's awesome. around the world and they're some are upset and some are cool about it. Right. And you still, it was, it's the current look that you have now. So people. Yeah, that's, that's day. true. It's the same look. Exactly. Yeah. Same look. Very cool. Yeah. Also, Lucas, it's so, uh, again, I, I could do this for hours, but I want to. Yeah, likewise. But we can do it again another time. You never know. Awesome. I, I will definitely have you back. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to put you in the green room and say goodbye. If you can just hang on so we, we can say goodbye. Absolutely. That would be awesome. Um, but before I do actually officially let you go, do you have any, words of lucas hassel advice for my uh, my audience well listen the only advice is just own who you are take responsibility for your responsibility for your own actions be a good person and if you're an artist or actor out there i truly support creating your own work don't wait for others take charge of your own destiny uh, as as sort of corny as that may seem and um in general have a look out for house of abraham the feature house abraham yes. movie on instagram check out updates on that but that should be out later on this year i'm very excited about it so awesome Tim thanks for having me on appreciate it yeah man thanks for being here we'll have you back uh let me sign off and i'll talk to you in just a minute sounds good soon. All right. bye guys awesome wow all right guys here we go ready i gotta i have to breathe in before i breathe out on that one because that was I just couldn't stop talking and I just, I love them. And I also had to turn off the AC and I am drenched right now. So uh, I'm going to sign off next week. Uh, I have Raphael on my show who is in Vienna. So uh, it's kind of been an international theme happening. I mean, Lucas is from Denmark uh, and uh, Raphael will be in Norway. So he's like, I think a bunch of hours ahead, but he is an amazing uh, critical thinker, uh, mystic, um, all sorts of cool things. Um, you, you'll meet him next week. Lily, thanks for being here. Uh, always cheering me on. I love that you do that. Uh, so I will see you guys next week. And uh, until then, stay cool uh, and stay free. Talk to you later. What is consciousness? The live stream of consciousness is on a quest to unravel the mystery of existence. Every episode, we ask the fundamental question that has captivated human minds for centuries. Is consciousness merely a product of our brains or does it connect us to something greater? Explore the very fabric of our thoughts. Don't miss a moment. Explore